All right. Welcome. And thanks for tuning in to the very first episode of Listen, Learn, Love podcast. It's kind of crazy that after so many years, I, alongside um, our members here today, are able to launch this project. Definitely. Yeah. It's crazy to think that we were going to do this years ago, but God definitely had other plans for us. But here we are ready to start. Indeed, we are here now. So the purpose of this podcast is to present a roundtable discussion or forum to all of our listeners out there who may have questions about things in our daily lives that aren't really talked about enough in today's church. So all of us here are pretty friendly, I'd say, and we have no problems talking about difficult topics. And we hope that all of you out there can get some hope that even though there are differences, people can still have a loving, civil, and fruitful forum. For sure. It is definitely a rare thing to have nowadays with people and their differences. I've been wanting to have a conversation with others without the anger and the hatred that could come with it. And here we are. Hopefully we can share with you all that it's still possible to be close with one another and still be different. I second that. Good enough. Said it better myself, guys. Uh, with that said, let's have our members introduce who they are. And I'll start with me. So my name is Ram Gill. And I will be the primary host for this podcast. So I'm a Korean-American born and raised in Queens, New York. Yay, Spider-Man. Crafted in Grand Rapids, Michigan, whoever knows where that is. And now in Fort Wayne, Indiana. I'm an engineer and I just got my mechanical engineering degree at Michigan State University in 2021. Hello, I am Meredith Baskerville, and I was born and raised in Grand Rapids, Michigan as well. And... I am currently pursuing my architecture degree at Lawrence Tech University in Southfield. And I'm Caitlin Walsh. Um, I was born in Chicago, Illinois, raised in Holland, Michigan, and now I am back in Chicago, Illinois. And I am currently studying communications at Moody Bible Institute. And uh, last but not least, I am Hemin. I am uh, Haram's brother. So I was also born and raised in Queens, New York. And then we moved to Grand Rapids um where i spent high school there we both spent high school there uh, and now currently i'm studying at northwestern university just north of chicago um, and i'm studying neuroscience and psychology and will be graduating in the summer of this year ah yes i present to you double trouble <laughs> and uh now that you met all of us let's get right into it Okay, so every week we will have a guest speaker that will help to enlighten and really enrich in our conversations. But for this first week, we'll just be diving into our topics, uh, topic right by ourselves so that we can get comfortable with each other throughout this new project. But from now on, every guest that we have on this podcast will be able to present something new to the table so that all of us will be able to learn and share with others. We're going to have a jolly old time. Ah, jolly old time indeed. So yeah, we definitely hope that you guys enjoy that. So after the weekly guest is introduced, um, it'll be time for our oath. So uh, every week we'll be reciting just a short oath that promises to be faithful and humble to each other. And um, just as a safe way to show all of you that we really do like and love one another and that no matter what differences we have, we'll all be sisters and brothers in Christ in the end. So I'm going to recite the oath and everyone's going to agree in the end if they shall choose to do so. So Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. I will use my all to glorify his name. All that I will speak will not be through my flesh, but through the Holy Spirit that dwells within me. 
knowing that I'm not perfect, I will open my eyes and ears to the words of my neighbor. I will love each and every one of the members here today, just as Christ loves me. Does everybody here today agree with this oath? I do. Perfect. Now that the oath is done, let's get right into it. So, Caitlin, what's the topic of this week? This week's topic is, da-da-da, drumroll, survival influence our lives. Oh, boy. So to start this project up on the right foot, we felt like it was the right thing to touch on the topic of the Bible as a whole. So it's kind of a crazy thing to talk about so generally, but it might still help all of you explore a little deeper into how this holy book can influence our lives. It might seem kind of daunting, but with Christ by our side and people around to talk you through it, just like we're doing here, we are confident that it's not just us, by, but you as the listeners will be able to find a light. With that being said, how should the Bible influence our lives? And to start, we'll have our very own Caitlin Walsh start off our forum. So take it away, Ms. Walsh. Alrighty. So before I share how the Bible should influence our lives, I'll first establish what I believe the Bible is. What is the Bible? Is it a code of conduct, a manual for our lives, or a collection of stories? I used to refer to the Bible as the Word of God, because most Christians do, but now I would probably define the Bible as the written word, word of God, the written revelation of God, or the written account of God's story with humanity. Written, I think, is an important conjunction because God's word is more than words on a page. It's more than a book. His word is also spoken, lived out. And from what we know in the Gospel of John, the word is Jesus. Jesus Christ is a word who became flesh and dwelt among us. John 1.14. I don't necessarily understand what this all means and implies that Jesus' identity is the word. And maybe I'll never be able to fully comprehend it. Regardless, God's word is greater than words on a page. It's alive and active. It's Jesus himself. If the word of God is a mere book, how can an unbeliever scrutinize the Bible from cover to cover and still not have a true revelation? Or how did people learn about God before the Bible was canonized? Or even before widespread literacy? Was the word of God lacking back then? No. They received the spoken word through God's anointed leaders, and they also learned about him through oral storytelling from generation to generation. The point being here is that I think God isn't confined to a book. He can make himself known to all people, including the most simple and uneducated, and the people groups that don't currently have the Bible in their language. The Bible, or the written word of God, is a wonderful gift. It's not something to take for granted, nor is it something we should confine God to. I think we as Christians can often get tied up to the book and that sometimes we might miss the point of it, which is to know God. I think it's probably a good thing that we don't have the original manuscripts of the Bible or else we would probably worship those pieces of paper instead of the living God who is our ultimate authority. Another way the Bible can be defined is as a medium of communication. It's the main medium that God chooses to make himself known to the generations after Jesus. Other mediums that God chooses to make himself known will not contradict, take away from, or add to the revelation that God has already given mankind. 
John M. Frame from the Gospel Coalition makes a concise distinction between the mediums or medias of divine revelation. He defines them into three general mediums. The first one being events. So God can reveal himself in the events of nature and history. We learn of him from changing seasons, from the power of nature, from the sun, moon, and stars. We also learn of him through history, the particular events that shape the fortunes of human beings. In his plan, general history becomes redemptive history, the events by which God arranges to redeem his people from sin by the coming of Jesus. The second medium he gives is words. So in one sense, all of God's revelation is word revelation because it proceeds from God's own speech. But sometimes God gives us word revelation in a further sense, revelation in which the medium is human words. He enters our experience and speaks to us in human words. In this way, the words of the prophets are the very words of God himself. When a prophet or apostle writes down God's words, the document is holy scripture, a document to be received as a Lord's power, authority, and presence. The last medium that Frame gives is persons. Since God is a tri-personal being, his revelation is particularly vivid when it takes the form of persons. God made Adam and Eve in his image to be revelations of himself, and it should not surprise us that the highest, deepest divine revelation is the incarnate Lord Jesus Christ, God in person. I would also add to Frame's view that the body of Christ, the church, is another medium that God uses to make himself known to the world. Also that different people groups, their unique culture and language, reveal God since we're all made uniquely in his image. So now that I've established what the Bible is with a few different definitions, this begs the question of the week, how should it influence our lives? Well, I would say that the written word should influence the entirety of our lives. It's our main source of our relationship with the Lord. It's our main source of learning about him, his story with mankind, his will and purposes, his thoughts and emotions. The knowledge of God shapes us internally, our thoughts, ideas, and the posture of our hearts, which as a consequence shapes us externally, like our actions and words. We can look to the Bible for answers to life's big questions, for wisdom for a specific situation, for emotional expression, like in the poetic passages, for literally everything. The written word, or the Bible, is a great gift. Great. Well, that was intense. Would you guys agree? Yeah. <laughs> it was. There were a lot of good things that I've definitely learned from that. I especially liked when you said that, I think, the written word should influence the entirety of our lives. I think I couldn't have said it any better than that. Um, but I do have a question uh, just to clarify for all the listeners out there. So back in the beginning, uh, you said that the Bible is the written word of God or the written revelation of God. And mm-hmm. that the written is an important conjunction because God's word is more than just words on a page. It's more than a book, right? Could you just clarify that it's more than a book? Yeah, yeah. So... Well, God's word before the Bible was canonized uh, was spoken. Mm-hmm. And so God's word is spoken. God's word is also lived out. Jesus himself, as John defines, is the word of God, that he is the word in flesh. I don't, like I said, I don't necessarily understand what that all means. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think that, yeah, God's word is not confined to a book. Does that answer that? Yeah, I mean, I think so. Do you guys have any questions with that particular one? Um I heard a lot about that actually a while back when I, I forgot who it was. Um, there was this famous pastor who said, you should never confine God to a box. And I was like, yeah, that's definitely true. Once we decide to confine God to a box, it's like, if you're outside of this, you are a heathen. 
<laughs> and that's when we do this whole finger pointing thing. So yeah, thank you for that. Uh, Hammer, but Meredith. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I wanted to say, yeah, that's a really good point. The fact that God spoke before the Bible was written. Ultimately, like you said, the Bible is a gift. And I completely agree with that, through which God can communicate with us humans. But in the end, he is more than that. He is everything. In some sense, since the word is God, I feel like you can also say the Bible is everything. Or that is also what you brought up in your um, viewpoint as well. But I feel like it could go both ways. Like to say that God isn't confined to a book makes sense. Also to say that God is the book and they're like one and the same, I feel like can also be support as well. But yeah, a lot of good points that you brought up in your summary. Yeah, amazing. A lot of really good points. All right. I guess it's up for me. So I will go ahead. So just like Caitlin did, I'm just going to go through what the Bible is to me and hopefully, you know, to some of our viewers and listeners out there. So funny enough, as you said that the written revelation of God, I mean, that's kind of how I also put it too. the revelation of God, the proof that all things divine through the Trinity is real, right? So both Old and New Testaments are valid within their own ways through the Trinity and through all things divine, through God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, even in today's age. So um, it really is the true and unbending testament of God's guidance through all sorts of, you know, mediums, just like Caitlin said, but like, you know, miracles, signs, and people. And I truly, truly believe that nothing of the Bible is false and can be deemed aired like, okay, like, oh, this is a mistake or that's a mistake. Although we can debate, you know, different Bible versions and the manuscripts, I truly think that the nature of the Bible is perfect. So, and I really can see this in first Thessalonians two chapter 13, where it says, I, I typically like to read it in the KJV. So I'll just try to condense it for you guys. For this cause, we thank God without ceasing, because when you all received the word of God, which ye heard of us, uh, you received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectually uh, works also in you that believe. So it's not just the words of people, but it is the truth, the word of God. Through the Bible, we have proof that Jesus Christ did indeed exist and was sent by God to be sacrificed so that in many ways we may live away from the laws that were used by God in the Old Testament. And I believe Caitlin also used this too, but John chapter one, verse one helps us establish the fact that all parables and directions from Jesus are in fact good and true. Since the word word or logos in Greek, I don't know if that's actually how you pronounce it. Or in other words, Jesus Christ. So he's been there from the very beginning. And once he was sent down from the into the form of a human, he signaled the beginning of a new era. So the point I'm trying to make here is that the Bible is not just a guideline or a collection of stories, but it's life as it is true since the beginning of Genesis. Um, then I use Hebrews chapter four, verses 12 to 13 as proof that no matter how much time passes, God's power and guiding light will always be there. And one of the very things through which we can understand this is through the Bible. So the Bible was given to us, not for us to use as suggestions or laws. Like if you break this law, you're going to hell. Like that's not it is, but it's as a light in our own life. So it sounds so confusing, but in reality, it's it's right in the middle of these two concepts as laws or suggestions, but it's not really either. So it's it's difficult to say that the Bible is either since if we take the messages of the do's and do nots as messages of simple recommendations, we can end up being susceptible and taking advantage of it and making ourselves 
complacent. So let's take a look at Matthew chapter 5, verses 17 through 19, which I'll read for you guys. Whosoever therefore shall break one of these least commandments and shall teach men so shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whosoever shall do and teach them, the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say to you, except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of scribes and Pharisees, you all shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. And ye have heard that it was said of them in the old time, thou shalt not kill. And whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. Oh, I actually read a 19 through 21. So I'll just get into 17 and 18. So think not that I have come to destroy the law of the prophets. I have not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For verily I say to you, or truthfully I say to you, till heaven and earth shall pass one jot or one title, shall in no wise pass in the law till all be fulfilled. So basically what I'm trying to say through all this is that the passage talks not only about what Jesus Christ has done to the law of the Old Testament, but that those who teach others to ignore the laws and the commandments of the past shall be called, quote unquote, least in the kingdom of heaven. With that being said, now let me clarify that this doesn't mean that those who don't keep the law will be sent to condemnation. It's just a way for us to understand how important these laws and commandments and the Bible as a whole is to our life and our fellowship. So this Bible is not to be taken lightly. I mean, it contains all the things that have come before us, all the things that God has done for people and against people. So in that case, let's take a look at the Bible as a law, or as people say, like, you have to keep everything or, you know, you'll be called least in the kingdom of heaven. Well, the Old Testament, as we know it, contains not just the famous 10 commandments, but the 613 laws that were given to the Jews, containing direct do's and the do nots. But the possible danger of us taking the Bible as a law is the fact that no matter how much we try, we'll never be able to perfectly obey everything. I mean, let's be honest. You know, just last week, I was angry and I really wanted to hit someone, but the Bible says, don't do it. So it leads us to the possibility that we may eventually lead to an unhealthy habits and even connecting this sense of law to salvation. So if the law is our method and livelihood to heaven, then what was the point of Jesus's gruesome death for us? And this beautiful passage of Romans chapter three, verse 21 to 30, really helps me to understand that the law alone cannot save us, which was the reason for Jesus's death. In other words, it's only through grace and mercy that we can be saved. So what I'm trying to say is summarized by verses 27 to 30. So I'll read that for you real quick. So where is boasting then? It is excluded. By what law? Of works? Nay, but by the law of faith. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. Is he the God of Jews only? Is he not also of the Gentiles? Yes of the Gentiles also, seeing it as one God, which shall justify the circumcision by faith and the uncircumcision through faith, do we then make void the law through faith? God forbid. Yeah, we establish the law. Only through faith in Jesus Christ and the works that result from that faith can we truly be saved. But does that mean that the law is to be ignored? No, we we uphold it. We we establish it. Then really quick, I'm going to touch on what happens to the Old Testament laws because our listeners are going to want to know, okay, so we take this for the New Testament. Oh, that's great. Well, what about the Old Testament? Well, it goes back to Matthew chapter five. So it's rather confusing because it says that the law has been fulfilled. Well, Jesus came to change the standards. So the law is now used as examples and standards as to how life came to be today as we know it. Because let's be honest, all of us here today, I really hope observe a ton of those 613 laws unintentionally, because that's what it means to us to be Christian. So, I mean, don't steal, don't murder, you know, don't cheat, 
don't do this, don't do that. All those things are observed today as, as a sequence of habit, a sequence of nature. Now, when we look at Deuteronomy 16 through 21, it really isn't necessarily observed today. And it's definitely not a rule for us to get into heaven, not at all, but still very useful to us in understanding God's intent and why that law was given to the Jews of the olden days. And just as a summary, it basically says, don't plant a tree in God's altar. So like, okay, if I were to put a tree, like a fake tree on a pedestal to the church, am I going to go to hell? No, no, definitely not. So in summary, I, I talked a lot, but the Bible should be used in our life, uh, not only as a set of standards and directions, but as a way for us to connect to God and really enrich in our lives. You know, Christianity is not just a religion. It's a lifestyle. And the Bible helps us to understand this. And Caitlin said it in a great fashion. It's what did you say? That last thing that you said, it was like the written word should influence the entirety of our life. I mean, it really, it really should. It's not suggestions. It's a, it's not laws. It's, it's our life. So that's what I got. Questions. I see. I think it's super important to touch on the Old Testament. It's always, it's much easier to look at, interpret, and apply the New, New Testament. Oh yeah, for sure. Paralyzed because one Jesus to um, all, <laughs> one, yeah, Jesus. all the all the lessons and all the parables that come from him. Right. Um, relatively more easy to understand. And there's always like the how much of the Old Testament is preserved today. Mm-hmm. But um, I believe you brought up the verse that said Jesus came to fulfill the law, not to abolish it. Yes. Um, which kind of answers that like the whole Bible is still relevant today. It's just hard, especially for a lot of young people and even like adults who study the Bible for like their whole lives to right. understand how to how to view the Old Testament today. Because there's a lot of things that wouldn't, yeah, that wouldn't go well if we did them today. That's <laughs> why <laughs> uh, stone the unbelievers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like, like for example, and I think Jesus is the one that directly touches upon this. I may be wrong, but an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. But now we're told to turn the other cheek, or mm. at least in the in the New Testament, we're told to turn the other cheek. Love um, your neighbor as yourself. So yeah, so in that, I feel like it's refined by the new testament Mm -hmm. but definitely a lot of it's preserved and we have to continue to study it as well Mm -hmm. absolutely i think it can be a really good teaching tool for existing and new believers it's good good stuff to study and know and in many other ways it's it's just beautiful i mean songs of solomon like (laughs) it Really can't get more poetic than that. I mean, just trying to interpret that book was wow. It was wow. Wait, did you mean Songs of Songs? Yes. Whoa, sorry. <laughs> wow, Songs of Solomon. Where am I going with this? <laughs> okay. Yeah, but it's it's just beautiful. And, and nowadays, it's just because a lot of us are just getting confused with even just the New Testament. It's like, why touch the Old Testament? But in trying to understand the New Testament, sometimes we have to revert back to the Old Testament, right? Like, what did they do before? How did it get to this point, right? Yeah, still a part of the Bible for a reason. <laughs> While you do not, and I mean this very clearly, you are not supposed to stone unbelievers. That is a big no-no. Yeah. I think you bring up a really good point that naturally, I think when new believers pick up the Bible, you read it as if it's speaking to you directly, like, do not do this or do this. But hermeneutics in theology is the theory and methodology of interpretation. And so um, I kind of mentioned it in my viewpoint. God's word can also be viewed as like this written account of God's story with humanity. 
So the mm. Bible is like a, an account of uh, the meta narrative. When we see it, God, how he relates to humanity, the law, the purpose of the law was to expose sin and to show us that we are, uh, we fall short and that we mm-hmm. need to be here. And so Paul talked about that in Romans, how it actually establishes uh, Jesus and what he did. I think, yeah, you bring up a great point and hermeneutics, a great study for that. And yeah. Her- they say that word one more time. Hermeneutics. Hermeneutics. That is a very nice term for that. Just spell it out. Um, I don't know how to spell it. Uh, Let's let's put that for another day. On the spot. Yes. Or no, no. I was just wondering so I could look it up. Yeah, yeah. I'll send it later too. Look at that camaraderie. All right. Yeah, but I heard someone say uh, one thing like the Bible was not written to us, but it was written for us. It kind of changes the view of it. Um, especially that new testament right yeah where he really dives into the fact that our lives should not be confined by the laws but by grace by faith so oh so beautiful so gorgeous (laughs) yes and ham i believe it is your turn yeah so to lead into my viewpoint i just want to preface with a couple of things one all the things that i share I definitely don't do like basically all of them, but that's ultimately the goal. Well, that's, that's good. Ultimately, what I want to encourage you guys and everyone else that's listening to focus on for the rest of our lives. Yeah. So the first point I have is that we are to live according to the word, not simply with it, not simply having it in hand as kind of like a handbook. Um, we're supposed to live, uh, as Haram mentioned, according to it as a lifestyle. Yeah, as I prepared for this podcast, I really focused on going into the Bible first, listening or reading rather what it has to say, and then coming up with what I want to share with you all. And so the first verse I have comes from Matthew chapter four, verse four, that says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the word of God, from the mouth of God. So that's exactly my first point on living according with uh, according to the word and all of the bible now i I also want to touch upon the fact that the bible is perfect and true Uh, this comes from john chapter 17 verse 17 sanctify them in your truth in the truth your word is truth well one uh, also another thing is that we we definitively communicate to god in two ways one through prayer in which we can see that as us speaking to god and the bible in which god speaks to us now, in my experience, uh, in my personal experience, I have not experienced God speaking directly to me. I have uh, heard of and have talked to many people who say that they have encountered God in a variety of ways. And so ultimately, as to if I, could, if I believe that God in this day and age can directly speak to us, uncertain, but um, certainly not impossible. But yeah, that's why, that's why I want to bring up the one reason why the Bible is so important is that it's maybe the most important medium through which God uh, speaks to us. Um, and also this is uh, especially important considering that us humans, no matter how much we strive towards righteousness and pursuing the absolute truth that is God's word, God himself, humans fall short by a long shot. Um, we have very different beliefs, very different viewpoints, very different values, very different morals, whether we are Christian or not. To me, it is kind of sad to see this division within Christianity, especially between theologians, between non-theologians, between theologians and non-theologians. Yeah, just uh, how divisive these uh, biblical topics can be. I guess 
yeah, kind of on a tangent, um, I believe it's important that even if we have um, different opinions like we're sharing on this podcast, it's important to <clears throat> put those aside and just acknowledge each other as brothers and sisters in Christ. Because if we don't have each other, then we have no one else on this earth. And so, That's yeah, ultimately, so yeah, ultimately, even if there's a lot of things that we don't know about the Bible and about God, and they're up for debate, all the answers that we can directly get are from the Bible. And if it's not in the Bible, then perhaps God had a reason for not putting the direct answer in the Bible. And so there's a lot of things up for debate. I think it's important that we don't focus on a lot of those because there's a lot of answers that we don't have. Just going on the point of how different we all are as humans and why we should focus on um, looking at the Bible first. There are so many different denominations out there. I, I actually could not believe it when I looked at it on Google. It was like 45,000 globally. It's like wow. 200 something. Oh my gosh. I believe it's in, it's including, yeah, yeah, it's definitely including all like the Orthodox Catholic sects as well. Yeah. But, um, it, within America, there's like only uh, 200 something, I think. Uh, only. Um, but yeah, with this wide, wide range of denominations, Within America, we see a lot of denominations that hold the same true biblical values, and um, that is honestly so great. But given this large range of denominations, there are bound to be some that are like completely on opposite spectrums. Us, if we looked at the core values of a certain denomination, like across the world, we may, we may not understand how they can be even be Christian, but they're categorized as Christian. Such a wide range. And how do we how do we kind of tie this into rather what I want to say? We should focus simply on being the most righteous Christians that we can be as an individual, which may happen to align with the values of certain denominations, certain churches, but it's important that we put the Bible and pursuing God first, rather than pursuing a certain denomination's values per se. And as an example, I have up here, John Piper, I'm, I'm listening to his Tulip series. Um, John Piper is, he is a devout Calvinist, but how he describes it so he literally did this whole series he's teaching he's taught people his whole life on calvinism which like very generally can be boiled down into predestination is biblical and free will is not um and i'm 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 still trying to go through a series and understand this for myself but but he clarified during at the beginning of his series that that he sees he's a calvinist but he came to calvinism simply by trying to read and obey the word as faithfully and as accurately as possible. And that led him to believe in predestination and hold the same beliefs that Calvinists hold. And so he happens to be a Calvinist, but it's not because he supports Calvinism, is or he does. It's not, it's, it's not that he puts that first, it's that he puts the Bible first. And throughout his whole lifetime of studying, that, has, that is what he has come to. So Bible first, always. Another problem we have is that the Bible has so many different versions. Some of them are actually pretty funny. I mean, some of them are straight up bad. You can count uh, have a number for that. <laughs> There's a whole Wikipedia page <laughs> with all of them, though. But like Hitler's translation of the Bible counts as a version, even though I don't want to say it because he made his own translation of the Bible. Anyways, well, one initially I was actually worried about the Bible being preserved over time because um, it's been two thousand years since Jesus's crucifixion, a uh, crucifixion, and and yeah, the old the old original manuscripts are like gone. I think. We have two main texts, the Textus Receptus and the Alexandrian text. The Alexandrian text is what modern translations are mostly based on, while the older English, especially translations like the KJV, King James Version, are based on the Textus Receptus. And so oh, first, what I want to say about the Bible being preserved over time 
is in first Peter one chapter one, verse 25, it says the word, but the word of the Lord remains forever. I think this single-handedly reassures us that what we're reading today is God's perfect truth. And through his grace, he has provided, he has provided it to generations upon generations. Yeah, honestly, it was, it was so relieving when I read this because I was like kind of going through, I guess I am kind of going through a really skeptical phase of like challenging my beliefs and really trying to own my own faith. And one of them was, can we really trust the Bible? I know it sounds really bad when I say that, but that is one of the thoughts that came to mind. And this really reassured me. Isaiah 40, chapter 40, verse eight also says, uh, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. There are many noticeable differences between translations. A lot of them are subtle, I would say. If you read the ESV and the KGV, their language is um, really similar, except for the, the fact that the KGV is in old English. A lot of the meaning is preserved, but there are differences. However, I, uh, I believe that once again, we can be rest assured that we are living with the perfect and living word provided to us by the grace of God and that we can continue to pursue God's truth through the Bible, which once again, at the minimum, we should be reading every day and allowing it to govern our daily lives for the rest of our lives. Yeah, so a few more points. I wanted to talk about the Old Testament, but actually, Caitlin and Harang covered what I wanted to say pretty well. So one of the last points I wanted to bring up, or as a, basically as a result of looking at the Bible as having to govern our entire lives and what we do. Obviously, we should we should then follow what the Bible says, right? James chapter one verses verse twenty two says, "But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves." But this is so hard, and this is, I guess, mainly what I was talking about when I prefaced with saying that I don't do a lot of the things that I will share. One of the things that the Bible tells us to do, and Jesus first tells his disciples to do, is evangelism. Because in Mark chapter sixteen verse fifteen. Uh, he says, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. And if we're following what the Bible says, then this is something that we continue to do today. The Bible um, also tells us to control sinful emotions like anger and envy. As I brought up earlier, forgiveness um, and turning the other cheek, particularly being quick to listen and slow to speak, which I believe is what we really want to um, encourage through this podcast and abstaining from fleshly desires, of course. So yeah, if we're putting the Bible at the for- first and foremost in our lives, then we should be doing all these things every day, every moment. But as Haran mentioned, we are imperfect. We simply try and we simply pursue um, this righteous lifestyle and God's truth. Yeah, and I guess, I guess to conclude, there are a lot of debated passages and ideas in the Bible. I brought up predestination and free will earlier, which is the, I think, at, yeah, at the center of the battle between Calvinism and Arminianism. And so if you look at the Bible, um, there are many verses directly supporting predestination, but free will seems to be a little more inferred based on the fact that we are told to do a lot of things in the Old Testament and the New Testament. But there's no, I, I don't believe free will is explicitly stated in the Bible. But both conclusions can be drawn from the Bible. That is why this is still con- debated to this day. It is not, it is not what saves us. Faith alone saves us, but it is important that we continue to pursue God's truth in this topic, as well as all the other highly debated topics in the Bible as well. So I want to conclude, just wrap things up by just emphasizing that the Bible is everything. We can be rest assured that God's word is perfect and true through today, through tomorrow, until the end of this earth. We 
should be doing all the things that the Bible tells us to do, whether small, whether on a grand scale like evangelism, or it doesn't even have to be as big as um, people think. It could just be talking to your neighbor who actually may even be going to church, but is kind of going through a hard time, is questioning his beliefs. Um, um, and I wanted to end with Psalm chapter one, verse two, that says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord and on his law, he meditates day and night. So from this, we see two things. One, we should be delighting, not stressing over and agonizing over what the word of the Lord means, but delighting in it and day and night as often as we can really. So. Wow. Delight in the law of the Lord. Delight. Beautiful. So you guys have any questions? Graham? I think that was wonderfully put. I think you did a lot of really good research, made a lot of really good points. Well, thanks, Sam, for that that great, great viewpoint. And uh, I believe our last one is Meredith for today. So I think Ham kind of said it a second ago, but a lot of my points have been touched on. So some of this might sound a little familiar. I think it's important to still share and really emphasize. So I agree with everyone in that the Bible is everything and the Bible is good. But I think it's important to acknowledge that the Bible is God's law. We are tiny humans with tiny human brains. God understands that we need guidance as people and he gave it to us in the form of the Bible. It gives us answers. It gives us a teaching tool. It gives us how we should shape our lives And I think that it's important that we follow it literally and we take what's known as the quote unquote biblical view to be our view. It shouldn't be, oh, this is the Bible, Bible's view, but this is my view. It should be synonymous with our view. We should be the Bible and we should live the Bible. And I think it's important to also note that the law's intention, I think Haram talked a little bit about the intention behind the laws. God is intending to guard our hearts from sin in the Old Testament. And a lot of people might point out these laws as being unnecessary or silly or whatever. I, I think it that is a mindset that should be more towards this was something that God wanted to protect us from. Everything in it is good and is of God. Yeah, we should apply these laws to our lives and shape it. On the other side, there's also consequences that have been talked about before as well. But that being said, there's also rewards for obeying. And so going into my first verse, I have Matthew 5, I think I have 17 to 20. I think it was touched on before talking about how I think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. That's pretty much the main synopsis of what that chunk is. I think it's important to note the translation of fulfill is from Lahayim, which means establish or uphold. I think that, um, that's where a lot of people get misled with the word fulfill is, oh, this is it's been fulfilled. We don't have to do it anymore. So I think that is a mindset that is dangerous because like I said before, these laws are meant to guard our hearts and they're meant to be good for us. So why would we just change everything all of a sudden just because Jesus has fulfilled this law and he said it himself, he is not here to destroy it. He is here to fulfill it. And then later in that chunk of text, I think Ham also 
or someone else, I know someone touched on this, whosoever therefore shall break one of these least commandments and shall teach men so, he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whosoever shall do them and teach them the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. And I think that that's important to note too, because God wants us to do well and he wants to see us do good things. So he wants us to follow this law and he will put us first in the kingdom of heaven. And I think that that's something we should strive for as Christians, but we should also strive for more. We should be we, we should be striving to be like Jesus, be like God. We want to be good. Um, and so I think that's where these laws guide us. Uh, there was another important verse that I saw in Galatians. I'm going to skip forward a little bit because a lot of what I said was also said before. So Galatians 3, 19 to 29. Wherefore then serveth the law. It was added because of transgressions till the seed should come to whom the promise was made and it was ordained by angels and the hand of a mediator now a mediator is not a mediator of one but one god is one is the law then against the promises of god god forbid for if there had been a law given which could have given life verily righteousness should have been by the law but the scripture hath concluded all under sin that the promise by faith of jesus christ might be given to them that believe but before faith came, we were kept under the law, shut up unto the faith which should afterwards be revealed. Wherefore, the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ, that we might be justified by faith. But after that faith is come, we are no longer under a schoolmaster. I think that sort of imagery of a schoolmaster is, is very powerful. And so I looked up some clarification on what was meant by a schoolmaster and it was uh, the, the Hebrew word. I'm not going to try and say it, but it's P-A-D-A-G-O-G-O-S. It's considered a child leader and it was their job to bring them to and from school safely. And I think that it's important to view the Bible like that. It is our protector. It is, it is our leader. It is leading us to safety. And that's what the law was intended to be. It was sort of training wheels, if you will for how we should live our lives later. That also being said, bringing up some important things about that I found Gentiles and Jewish law. In Acts, I know it mentions it, but as Gentiles, Gentiles were not required to follow the Jewish law. And I think that that's important to note because I think that's where a lot of the stigma of we don't have to follow it, so it, it doesn't need to be applicable to me. I think that's where a lot of that stigma comes. But also, I'd like to just wrap it up in Psalms 19, 7 through 11. I think that's a really good place to end it. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The, judge, the judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. So I think that that is beautiful and that is a wonderful way to look at the Bible of it should be desired and we should be celebrating how beautiful it is and how wonderful it is to have in our lives because it is the word, it is truth, it is God is the way, the truth, and the light. And I think it's important to, to celebrate that also.
And that uh, Psalms 19 that you pulled out, that was real fire. <laughs> Thank you. It's a very, very artistic way to put as the Bible. But I did have a question on that. So uh, it seems like from your viewpoint, you focused a lot about the beauty and the importance <laughs> of the Bible, right? Um, I believe Caitlin said that there were other mediums in which we can understand God. You know, the Bible is yeah. one of them, right? But from the viewpoint that you've said with the importance of the Bible, how does how would you put the importance of the other mediums, like the events that happen along our lives and the people that come along? I think as that well? they are all equally important. I do I do value but all of those aspects of it. It's just we uh, focusing on the Bible. I think <clears throat> that's what we all kind of did our separate research on this. So before we uh, before we came together like this, so. Um, I think that's just where I was led to talk about. Um, I definitely value the different aspects of the spirit. The spirit is part of the Trinity. And I think that that's in, in many ways prevalent in more than just the word. And so does that answer your question? Well, the word is the written, the Bible is a written word, written revelation of God. Couldn't have said it any better myself. Anybody have any other questions? Didn't answer it. <laughs> it kind of sounds like from what you're saying, it kind of aligns with uh, what I've said before with the fact that the, the Bible as a whole is not like a right. book of laws, right? Not not everything is a law. Like Caitlin says, there are some very poetic things like from the song of <laughs> Psalms, song of, so, songs, songs of songs. And then there's there's Psalms. Okay. <laughs> wow. I just can't say that. I'm going to screw it. So there's that. Yeah. There are so many poetic and parables, but those can't be necessarily interpreted as do right. this, do that. Right. I, th I think that's what you were going for. I was just wanting to double clarify that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, actually, it that's might perfect. be Song of Songs. Sam, you got anything? I'm not sure. <laughs> See, that's what I said. Um, I, I did want to bring up one thing because you said that you wanted to mention that, but you're running out of time. I would say for all of us, um, time is not as important as sharing what we have uh, researched or rather have learned from God on these topics. So if if you're running out, like, I, I think I went over time, but there was a lot that I was compelled to share, I believe, through the Holy Spirit. And so I think that far exceeds any um, time limit. Very true. Oh, Very yeah. I mean, as a matter of fact, um, the amount of time we put into research and into trying to understand these weekly topics is very important. Um, it's just a matter of how we talk about it and how we organized it, which is going to really help us throughout these next couple mm -hmm. podcasts. So uh, you guys can be excited with what you will be staying in tune with. So uh, without <laughs> further ado, there were a lot of great things being said. And now to help all of our listeners out there, we're going to have each one of us present a sentence that's going to summarize what we truly want each one of you to get out of our viewpoint. Yeah, no, just to clarify, um, these sentences do not represent every single thing that we have said, obviously, but um, these sentences are there for you to get um, an overall narrative uh, summary of what we have shared um, in case there was um, a lot to digest. Absolutely. And in the end, there's a lot that's been said. So we just want you as the listeners to walk away with this bare minimum of a general idea. So I'll go ahead and start with mine. So with my sentence summary, the Bible is not simply a guideline or a set of laws. 
but rather the pathway to understanding life itself. And next, Caitlin. My sentence summary is, the Bible can be defined as the written word of God, the written revelation of God, and or the written account of God's story with mankind. Therefore, the Bible is our main medium of revelation and can influence our entire lives. And the Bible should govern every moment of our lives, and though there may be things we don't understand, that is our lifelong pursuit. And Meredith. The Bible is good and made to keep our hearts pure. And while Jesus did come to fulfill the law, we should still observe and shape our lives around them. All right. Thank you all. And um, thank you to our listeners for tuning in today. And to close this episode, we're going to end in prayer. So each week will be a different member. And for today, I'm just going to go ahead and present a prayer for all of us. So if we could just bow our heads. Dear and gracious God, thank you for allowing us to get here together and just really talk about such important topics together without the hatred and the anger that comes with the potential controversies that we may bring to the table. But um, we all are here to glorify your name and really just wanted to bring fellowship, that unity that this world really needs. So help us be able to um, allow the listeners who are going to be tuning in to join us within this pursuit of, of unity and to really just get uh, what this Listen, Learn, Love podcast is all about, sharing, loving, and really just glorifying your name. And in your precious name we pray. Amen. 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 So we all hope that uh, you guys enjoyed a forum. And for this week, uh, we just want you to think about what the Bible means in your life. Now you should use it. So research, talk with others, and remember to share the love. See you guys next week. Da, 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 da.